0: Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, senior pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's word, he will truly encourage your heart. Let's
1: go to the Lord in prayer. Dear only Father, we are so thankful today that the battle belongs to you, Lord. And no matter what we face in our life, Lord, Lord, you've already won it. And God, I just pray as we open your word, may your truths ring loud today. In your precious name we pray, amen. You know, this last month, I've really enjoyed watching the Olympics. And it's just so great to see. And I was watching this one event. I turned the channel on and I, I see it and I have no idea what it is. I go, what is this sport? I've never seen this before. But, you know, the great thing about the Olympics is if there's three little letters on the uniform, USA, I'm cheering with all my heart. So, I have no idea. I'm, I'm cheering. I don't know if they scored or what happened, but as long as I see they're winning, I'm cheering. The Olympics uh, were, were just a spectacular event. And, you know, when you look at the Olympics and you look at any sport, every sport has a starting point. Many of them have a starting line. When I think of a starting line being an old track and field guy and a coach for years, I think of track and field, that starting line. And the importance of the starting line, especially those shorter distances, 100 meter or the high hurdles, it's, it's so critical the start of that race. And there's so many things that go on at the starting line. When you see those athletes come to the line, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of thoughts of, am I I ready for this? Am I prepared for this? I do all the things I needed to do to be successful. They're thinking about their starting blocks. Is everything set up just right? Uh, They're also thinking, don't false start. In the 1996 Olympics, Lymford Christie, who was a great sprinter for Great Britain, he was defending his gold medal from Barcelona from 92 at the 100-meter dash. And he false started. Now, back then, you were allowed two false starts. And he false started a second time. And he was disqualified from the Olympics, his last Olympics. And he never even got to run the race his Olympic career ended at the starting line. You know, the starting line is the beginning of a new race and we all face starting lines in life. Every day is a new starting line. We face those starting points, whether it's starting a new job, that's a starting line. That's a starting point. Maybe it's school. I know many of you are now going maybe into a new school or going to college. That's a new starting line, a new starting point in life. And that can, just like in a race, that can be a lot of fear. There can be a lot of doubts and uncertainties. Maybe it's something more serious. Maybe you're going through cancer treatment or health issues and you've just started that journey and, boy, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of uncertainty. That's a starting line of life. Oh, there's so many starting lines in life. It's a new relationship. It's the spiritual journey that you're going on. All of us face starting lines in life. Think about all the times you've stood at the start of a journey of something new. Today we look at a prophet. And he stood at a starting line of a journey that God had for him. And we're going to look at his life and the life of Jonah And we're going to see the decisions that he made. The lessons we can learn from him. And what he did at the starting line. In Jonah chapter 1, we see our story begins. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah... Rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish and he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So we see that Jonah is told by God, I want you to go to Nineveh, God, and I want you to preach because they're really wicked people. And I'm going to destroy them unless they repent. So I'm sending you a prophet, and I want you to go to Nineveh. So Jonah got up, and what did he do? He went in the opposite direction of Nineveh. He went to Tarshish. It's like the sprinter when the gun goes off and the guy runs out of the stadium. You're going the wrong way, Jonah. Now, Nineveh, as we know today, if you uh, think of Iraq... And you think of northern Iraq. There's a city called Mosul. Now, many of us are familiar with Mosul from the Gulf Wars. It was a critical city there in the north. Nineveh is located right outside the city of Mosul. Now, when you look at Tarshish, Tarshish was in Spain at the time, some 2,500 miles apart. Literally in the opposite direction of where he was supposed to go. Now, one of the things we have to ask ourselves why in the world did Jonah just run away? Why was he so intent on getting away from Nineveh? What did Jonah have against Nineveh? Well, we have to understand a little bit of the background of Nineveh. Nineveh was an incredible city. You could think of it as what they call a cityplex, like New York City. New York City has many different. Boroughs or almost literally cities in themselves that combined to make the great city of New York. Well, Nineveh was similar. Nineveh at the time was an incredibly large city, was the largest city in the world for many decades. And it was a powerful and wealthy and, and tremendous city. It was part of the Assyrian empire, a very powerful empire at the time. Now, Jonah had specific feelings toward the Assyrians and the Assyrian Empire. He didn't like them. In fact, Joni didn't like him at all. And he didn't like them for good reason. You see, the Assyrians were not very nice people. They worshipped idols. They were brutal people. They were just mean people. In fact, there was a lot of cities that the Assyrians would go in to conquer, and people in the city would take their own lives because the Assyrians were just so ruthless and brutal. Now, Jonah had experienced this. The Assyrians had attacked Israel many times. Jonah was well aware of these people and the ruthlessness of these people. Jonah wanted God just to destroy Nineveh. He wanted God just to wipe Nineveh off the face of the earth. He didn't see no reason why God's grace should fall on Nineveh. He didn't feel like that Nineveh deserved God's grace you know in life there are times that we all feel we look at someone and we say I just don't feel like they deserve God's grace it's almost like the the times that we think and we all have thought it before I just don't want to see that guy in heaven if that guy has a mansion next to me in heaven I'm moving Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's not our decision who gets God's grace. It's not our decision. And in Romans 3.24 it tells us it's that being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Thank God it's not our decision. Because someone might have looked at you or they might have looked at me and they might have said at one time, they don't deserve God's grace. But thank God that his grace is for all. Truly, we see at the starting line that many times at the starting line, we, like that sprinter, we let our emotions get the best of us. Jonah was literally filled with hatred toward the people of Nineveh. And he was also filled with fear. You know, he had to think in the back of his mind, man, if I go strolling in the city and tell them to repent and all of these things, these people are brutal. They could literally kill me right there. So he was battling a lot of these emotions and overcome by them. And in the book of Colossians, it tells us, it gives us great instruction. It said, and let the peace of God rule your hearts. To the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let the peace of God rule your hearts. It's so important to let God's peace rule us. Not to let our hatred Not to let our fear rule our lives. So Jonah, he gets in a boat and he runs from God. And we know the story. A great storm comes up. He's on his way to Tarshish. He's going across the Mediterranean. And this great storm comes up. And the people in the boat, they have no idea what's going on. And finally, Jonah concedes. He said, I'm the problem here. I'm running from God. He said, if you throw me overboard, it'll all be taken care of. Well, of course, the people in the boat didn't want to really do that. But finally, they relented, and they threw Jonah overboard. And the storm stopped. And God had prepared that great fish to come and swallow up Jonah. And for three days and three nights, Jonah, he didn't have reservations at the Hilton. He had reservations in the fish. And it really wasn't a pleasant time for him. And we see this story pick up. As Jonah is in the fish now for three days, and we see this prayer in chapter 2, the end of chapter 1, we see there it says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. But Jonah in chapter 2, it records his prayer that he says unto the Lord. Jonah finally comes around, he says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God, Out of the belly of the fish, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou hast heard my voice. Isn't it great to know that no matter where we're at, no matter if you're in, if you're in hell in your life, that Jesus hears our prayer. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compass me about. All the billows and all the waves pass over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compass me about. Even to the soul, the depths close me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. He said, this is so bad. I'm in the depths of hell here. The seaweeds wrapped around my head. It's so dark. It's such a terrible place. I'm in the worst place, God, that I could ever imagine. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bear was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought me up my life from corruption. O Lord my God, when my soul fainteth within me, I remember the Lord. And my prayers came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah unto dry land. Jonah ran the wrong way, and he he ended up in this place. It's like running from God's like running on a treadmill. You get tired, and you don't get far. And Jonah ran from God, and he found that out. But he was caught by grace. You say, well, he was caught by a fish. No, he was caught by God's grace. The fish was just what God used to catch him. God caught him with his grace, and he said, Jonah, I'm going to give you another chance. And thank God he did. You know, God could have let him go. God could have said, well, Jonah, you don't want to do it. That's fine. Just go to Tarshish. Live the rest of your life. I'll find somebody else. But God didn't let him go. God didn't let Nineveh go. Even as wicked as they were, he gave them grace. God doesn't let us go either. No matter where we're at in our lives, God's grace is always there. All we have to do is reach out and take it. So we see for three days, Jonah's in the fish and then Jonah gets spit up onto dry land. And he gets to restart the race. He false started that first time, but just, just like Linford Christie, he got, a second, he got a second chance and he made the most of it. Sometimes God puts us in a place where all we can do is listen. Nothing else we can do but listen. And that's what he did with Jonah. I had a man I coached with and he had this great saying. He, he would tell the kids, listening is an art and a skill. And it's so true. And I use that line today. It is an art and a skill because most people don't listen. And I've learned from working with kids for many years that you have to repeat yourself a lot. And so a lot of times when I speak, I'll repeat points a lot because we sometimes don't hear. We don't listen. I, I have a friend that you can be talking to them and you can be telling them something very important. And they'll just interrupt you out of nowhere. I could be telling them, I'd be like, well, you know, I know you're going down 77. Make sure, and then they interrupt and they say, you know, I ate at this great place for lunch. That's good. We'll get back to that. But, but would you listen to me real quick? I got to tell you something that's very important. There's, a, there's an accident. The whole expressway shut down. You'll want to avoid that. Oh, oh Oh, thank you. I'm glad you said that. Listening is an art and a skill. Some of you aren't listening now. And we know who you are, right? Pastor Ben, when you're up here, we, we know who you are. It's so true that there are times in our lives when we just don't listen. Jonah, the man, the man Jonah, he didn't listen. And I know a lot of wives in here are looking at their husbands saying, that sounds like my husband. Are you related to Jonah. You know, at the starting line, you have to listen for instructions. God put Jonah in a place where all he could do was listen. At that starting line, if, if you know track and field, you understand the starting line, there's a starter that conducts the race. And he tells you what you need to be aware of in the race. Now, if you haven't ran uh, a particular race, you want to make sure you listen to the starter. Because if if it's a sprint race and you're getting in your blocks, he's going to tell you at the starting line, he's going to say, I'm going to issue some commands. I'm going to tell you, runners to your mark. That's when you get in the blocks. And once I see that nobody's moving, I'm going to say, runners set. That's when you come up in your blocks. The gun will go off and you go. If it's a distance race, he's going to tell you where the cut-in line is. If you're running in an outside lane, he's going to tell you, when can I cut into lane one? That's critical to know. If you don't listen to that, you'll get disqualified. If you're running a relay, and here you have the baton, he's going to tell you where you can hand that baton out. Where is that exchange zone? Because if you don't hand it out within there, you're disqualified. It's so important to listen at the starting line. Jonah didn't listen. He didn't apply God's instructions to the journey. James chapter 1 In verse 19, it it tells us, it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Many translations will say swift to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. It's so important at the starting line that we listen to God's instructions. Now, remember, Jonah was heading to this place called Tarshish. And it's very interesting that the name actually means contemplation. Or examination. Now Jonah had plenty of time to contemplate what he was doing. Contemplation can be described as thinking intently about something. He had plenty of time to do that. I remember I used to run trails years ago. And you'd run through the woods. And I remember sometimes in the winter when it was so cold. And the snow's on the ground. And you could be out in the woods and you would stop. And you would hear absolutely nothing. It was such a quiet place. You could literally hear your thoughts. There was nothing going on around you. Now, Jonah didn't have quite this, that much of a peaceful journey, but he had time to contemplate his life and what he was doing. When you're examining a situation, when you're contemplating a situation, take time to get alone with God in a quiet place. Schedule time to be with God. You know, we schedule a lot of things in life. We schedule oil changes. We schedule haircuts. We schedule all these things, but sometimes we don't schedule time with God, with the most important thing. And when you're contemplating, when you're examining your life, you need to schedule a time with God in a quiet place so that you can hear him, so that you know what he's telling you to do. It's really hard to hear God unless you have a quiet time with him. Not only do we have to listen at the starting line, but we have to be prepared. The starting line is an examination of preparedness. Now, obviously, if you're running a race, you have to be physically prepared. That's important. But you also have to be mentally in the right frame of mind. You know, you can't run a race if you're in the wrong frame if you're filled with all these other thoughts and I know coaching high school for so many years you had kids that they were having problems with their girlfriend or this or that and you could tell they're just not mentally here and they never ran real well when that happened you got to be in the right frame of mind mentally it's hard to serve God when you're filled with hatred and negativity and fear like Jonah was See, Jonah let all that control him. So here he was. He was was not prepared for the journey at hand because he was letting all these other things control him. We see too often that driver that gets cut off in traffic and just a simple thing, you know, simple offense that happens, but what happens so many times, it escalates to a point where somebody gets killed because of it because they're being controlled by that anger, Just like Jonah was being controlled by his hate. Jonah had to focus on the task at hand. He had to mentally be in the right place. But he wasn't prepared mentally. We have to be ready spiritually for the race. You know, there's a race that occurs every year. And Pastor Ernie is also a runner. And we've ran for years. And he's ran many races. I don't think this is one, Pastor Ernie, that we want to run. It's called the Badwater 135. It's a 135-mile run through Death Valley in July. And it actually changes elevation. You come out of the valley and you end up going up 8,300 8, feet. And in July, this, actually this uh, past month in Death Valley, they nearly set a, a record. It was 130 degrees in the day. And they did set a record for the highest low temperature of 108 degrees at night. And here these guys are running 135 miles through the desert, through the hottest place on earth. Now, to do something like that, you have to be physically nourished to do that. You have to be physically nourished to take on a physical task. But it's also true, you have to be spiritually nourished to take on a spiritual task. You see, sometimes we forget the importance of this. In John chapter 15, Jesus tells us in verses four and five, he says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abide in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. It's so true that just like running that 135 mile run, you have to have water. No runner is in the middle of that and says, I, I'm good, I don't need any water. After 10 miles, they would be out of the race. But sometimes we think we can take on a spiritual journey and not have any spiritual nourishment, not have that time with God. And it's the same thing happens. We wonder, you know, why is this so hard? Why do I feel so terrible about this? Because you're not getting the nourishment. You're not getting that spiritual water that you need that can keep you going in the race. Oh, it's so important at the starting line to be prepared, not only physically and mentally, but to be prepared spiritually. Get the right nourishment. To be in any race, you have to get to the starting line. In 1972 Olympics, there was a couple hundred meter runners that had qualified to the second round and their coach had misread the schedule and he told them to be there at a certain time, but it was the wrong time. So they go back to the, their, uh, the place where they were staying, and uh, they're eating and doing some things. They turn on the TV, and it's a live broadcast of their race. They missed the race. They didn't get to the starting line. You know, you'll never complete your mission unless you get to the starting line. I've heard people say, they say, you know what? In my life, I want to I wanna do something for God. God put this thing in my heart, and boy, one day, one day I'm going to do it. One day I want to do that. But you got to start somewhere. God didn't say you have to have everything you need to start. He didn't tell Jonah, Jonah, you got to go get your PhD, which is great. That's great. But he didn't need to do that. He didn't say, well, you need to go for, away for several years and get ready for this. No, God says, just go, Jonah, go. If you need something, I'll take care of it. If you're lacking somewhere, I'll send somebody to help you. Just go, Jonah. you got to get to the starting line if you're going to run the race. And so many times God puts something on our heart and we never start the race. Because we think, I'm just going to wait until I'm ready. Well, you're never going to be ready. And the point is, is you don't have to be ready. Because you're not running it under your own power. You're not running it under your own intellect. You're running it with the power of God behind you. And that's the key to the race. You know, it's amazing in my life, uh, just the many ministries I've been blessed to be a part of and many ministries that, that we have started. And it's so amazing to me. There's some ministries that I've been involved in and I think, boy, I don't know a lot about this. But God will bring somebody that does. And all of a sudden, I, I think, boy, I, I really need somebody in this, in this position. I sure can't do it. And all of a sudden, somebody comes out of nowhere. And they fill that spot. God will give you everything you need. If you have a mission that God has put on your heart, he'll give you the tools to accomplish it. You don't have to wait for a certain time. You simply have to be willing. You simply have to give your faith. So we know that Jonah goes to Nineveh. And he preaches. And the whole city from the king down repents. An amazing thing. I mean, this wicked city and all of a sudden they're all now, they have all repented. I think Jonah was pretty happy about this, wasn't he? He wasn't real happy about it. Remember, Jonah didn't think they deserved God's grace. And so Jonah kind of had a pity party for himself. And that's a subject for another message. But he got mad that God spared the city. You know, God gave Jonah instructions at the start of his journey that if he followed those instructions, he would succeed. You no, know, God doesn't send you somewhere to fail. God didn't line up Jonah and send him there and say, well, Jonah, you're going to go there and fail. No, God sends you somewhere to succeed. And so many times the places you don't want to go, oh, do I got to Do I got to go? Do I got to talk to them? The places you don't want to go are the places that are the greatest blessing for the kingdom of God. It's those places you don't want to go. In conclusion, we see that Jonah was many things. Jonah was a symbol of Christ's resurrection. When you think about that, three days and three nights, it sounds a little familiar, doesn't it, to what Christ did for us on the cross And when he came out of the grave, it's a symbol. Jonah was a symbol of Jesus Christ and how Christ came out of the grave. Jonah was also a lesson in faith. You know, there's two things that are required, if you think about it, to get in the kingdom of God. First one's faith. You have to have faith. You have to have faith in Jesus that he died for you. And that your sins are forgiven through him. You have to have that faith. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't what Jonah did in Nineveh. God, didn't, God could have sent anybody. He didn't need just Jonah. What he needed was he needed his faith. The one thing he needs from us is our faith. Our faith in him. And Jonah was also a symbol of God's grace. That's that second thing. You see, the only way salvation ever came about was God's grace for us to send his son. God did his part, and now all we have to do is have that faith. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself it is a gift of God, not by works lest anyone should boast. You see, grace and faith, they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Maybe today you say, I've never taken that step of faith. I've never asked Jesus to come in my heart. We're going to sing a song, and we're going to invite you to come forward and just pray a simple prayer and ask Jesus to come into your heart. Will you listen today? God's calling you his child today to have faith in him. Dear Lord, Lord, it's our decision whether we'll follow you or not, God. Your grace has already been set, God. It's already there. The gift has already been laid out in front of us, God. Are we going to take it? Lord, we can learn many lessons from Jonah's life. But Lord, one of the most important lessons is, is where are we running to? Are we running away from you? Or are we running to you? God, as we open this invitation, Lord, may, if there's anyone here that may have never heard your word, may have never asked you into their life, Lord, that today could be the day of their salvation. In your precious name we pray.
0: I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says, by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior. And you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life if you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer, dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son and you came and lived a perfect life and you died on the cross and you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin and right now Jesus I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and from this day forward help me to live by your resurrection power in Jesus name